say amen. amen. All right, because if you don't have any expectation, you ain't nothing ever as good as going to happen to you. Now, what happened to my sermon? Someone stole it. I'll find it in a minute. Go to Philippians. I actually did. Look over there, Ashley, and see if it's there under all that junk. Philippians chapter 3. No, it's not. I don't have to wing it. Oh, I know where it is. Philippians. Listen, I go over my sermons so much I can preach them in my sleep. I just have notes up here for y'all to think that I know what I'm doing. How many of you want next year to be good? How would you like to see improvement in the blessing? You know, I think every one of us do. And I want to talk about something because the other day I was in prayer I was praying about this church and praying about me, actually, and I asked the Lord about certain aspects of my own life, and at four in the morning, he woke me up and gave me three words. He said, forget, remember, and sing, and I thought, well, that sounds like an oxymoron, forget and remember. That's kind of like hot fudge Sunday, isn't it? You know, it's almost like those two words don't fit forget and remember. But as I got up and, I, and sometimes he'll talk to me in the, in, you know, early in the morning, I'll get up and go in my office and sit and pray for a while. And um, he began to talk to me about there's things in my life he needs me to forget. You're not going anywhere hanging on to your past. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to begin there. Philippians 3 verse 12. Not that we have already attained or we're already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget the things that are behind and reach forward to the things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to this statement. If you're going to go forward... You must put the past behind you, and you must begin looking at where you want to go. All right. Satan is very subtle in the fact that he creates diversion in your life so that you're looking at the problems. Whenever people come at you and they attack you, it's really Satan trying to get your eyes off of the destiny that God has for you and get you involved in what's happening right around you at that moment. He wants your attention off of where you're going and onto the natural. That happened with, with uh, Peter in the boat when he got out. He began to look at the waves and forgot what Jesus said, and the Bible says he began to sink. I'm going to ask you to try something when you get home today. Get in your swimming pool and begin to sink. I tried it, it didn't work. I went, and I went, I, I would like to learn how to just go down. Well, y'all are exciting. Jesus said in Luke 9, it says, No man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So let's talk about the first thing that you must do, and every one of us must do it. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, I'll pop it up on the screen. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. This is a ploy from hell to stop you. 
You and I, everybody in this room, now I want you to think about what I'm fixing to say. There is none of us that somebody hadn't done us wrong. Am I right? Now, now think about this for a minute because I've had people come to me and say, oh, you don't know what they've done to me. Everybody I know has had people who did things unconsciously, not, not malicious, and malicious. I have. Everybody, every one of us have had things happen. And when the Bible says forgive, let's be honest, you want them to pay. Are you all okay with that? I mean, me and Zach are the only two people in here that... I mean, I don't, I don't want people to do me wrong, and then I'm going to go, it's okay. It's not okay. Are you thinking? That's what we think forgiveness is. Do you think that God knows they did it? Do you think he's going to let them get away with it? No. He's going to deal with them one way or the other. No one's getting away with anything, not even us. So when he's asking us to forgive people, he's asking you to get it off of you so that it doesn't rob you of your destiny. You are not God. You need to turn it loose. Because those things that are happening to you are sent to stop you from ever making it in life. You can't go forward messing with the stuff that's happening around you. All right. So it says in Matthew 18, and I want you to go to Matthew 18, and I'm going to read it. And many of you know this scripture. Many of you have heard it preached. But I've learned something about, about scriptures in the Bible. There are times you need to read the ones you know again. Okay, we'll do it again. There are times you need to rehearse the things you know. And this is a scripture that has helped me. Because one of the things that I've learned that if you have a call of God on your life, every devil in hell knows you. And people do stuff. And, and sometimes the devil has successfully hindered me from moving forward because I'm messing with people. Amen. So this scripture has helped me, and I'm going to, as we get into it, I think it'll, you'll understand this. It says in uh, 1821, Peter came to him and said, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? He thinks he's being noble. Seven times? Jesus says, no, seven times 70. That's a day. Aren't you glad God will forgive you seven times 70 in a day? And let me help you with something. If you're messing up that much, go home and go to bed. <laughs> Start again tomorrow. You, you're having a bad day. But aren't you glad that scripture's in the Bible, that you know God's asked you to do something and he would not do different than what he's asked you to do? I've reminded him of this scripture before. All right, never mind. Have you ever promised God you'd walk in love? Till you got out in traffic. Some of us are not on vacation. Okay. Therefore the kingdom is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 
talents. Now, a lot of times we will look at that and try to figure out the number, but this is a, a talent is a year's wages. 10,000 times what you make in a year comes out to somewhere about $26 billion. How many of you think you can pay that off? All right, let's go on. It says, but he was not able to pay it. No joke. But he was commanded, it is him and his wife and children to be sold and payment made. The servant fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And I got written in my Bible, how? There's only one way I know to pay that debt off. You need to become a politician and go to Washington. I thank you all for enjoying my humor, but... I got to get political every once in a while because I can't wait to some people go to jail. I'm actually praying for some people to go to jail as mercy so they don't go to hell. Amen. Amen. It's mercy. I'm being merciful. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion and forgave him all that debt. One time I read that and I had this thought in my mind that what he said to him is, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, 26 billion is, I paid it off. No, he paid it out of his pocket. That king paid that man's debt out of his pocket. The debt got paid. When you and I were in sin, God came down, took on humanity, and you had a debt you couldn't pay, and he paid your debt for you. He assumed the debt you owed, and it was about $26 billion, or it was something you could not have paid back. I sit back now and I watch people, and sometimes I watch sinners, and my heart goes out because I think, man, they need Jesus or they're lost forever, and that's not funny. Kenneth, um, Kevin McNulty, who worked for Dr. Osborne, said that every time he'd come home, he'd be so tired of preaching the gospel overseas. He would be literally tired of it, and he'd pick up the books, 23 Minutes in Hell, and read it. He said, after I read the book, I got up and planned my next trip. Because, because you got to really have a reason to keep leaving your house and going overseas and wearing your body out. There has to be a reason for that. So the book, when I read the book, it scared the hell out of me. I mean, I was repenting and everything all night. I was doing the Catholic. I was doing everything I could. God, just make sure I make heaven and not go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Amen. So anyway... Um, he says, he forgave him the debt, and the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him 100 denarii. In your Bible, write $18. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and says, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. He went and threw him in prison. Listen, the people who've done things to you, they were real. That what they did was really wrong. They, did, they really did you wrong. But he asked you to forgive them. Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. When you stand before God, do you want mercy or judgment? What do you want? Come on, help me out. What do you want? Well, then the only way I know to have mercy is to show mercy. That means you got some people in your life right now, you need to forget what they did. I don't mean just forgive them, I mean forget it. Because it's an $18 debt. 
So I want you to think about this. Who nailed Jesus to the cross? And don't say the Romans. You did. I think about that sometimes. I go, what Lisa did was no good. But I nailed Jesus to the cross, so I'm going to be merciful. I hope she does the same thing. Come on, to help you with your marriage, help you with life, help you with people. Be, be merciful to people who, ha- who don't deserve mercy because that was done to you and I. I'm glad you're all excited. I'm glad you are, baby doll. So his fellow servant fell down and begged him, and he says, have patience with me, I read that. His fellow servant saw what had been done. They were very grieved and came and told the master what had been done. And the master, after he called him, and says, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant and had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he would pay all that was due him. He put that debt back on him. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that disagrees with my theology. In other words, I don't even agree with the theology myself. But in the book, Reinhard Bonnke raised the pastor from the dead. Have you ever read the story of the pastor down in Africa that was raised from the dead? His wife took him to the meeting. They stuck him in a basin. While Reinhardt's preaching, he came back alive. They now travel and preach together. He was a pastor. But when he died, he stepped up to heaven and the angel said, you're not allowed in. And he said, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. He said, but right before he got in an automobile accident, he kicked his wife out of the house. And and the angel said, you have unforgiveness. You're not allowed in here. Now, when I read that, it upended my theology. But I went around forgiving everybody that ever did me wrong. I just said, God, I don't care what they did. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm not. We'll talk about that when I get to heaven. But for right now, I'm not playing Russian roulette with anybody. And anyway, why would you want to? Say amen. So he said, so my heavenly father will do to each of you if you from your heart does not forgive his brother. I don't like that scripture. But I read it, especially when I'm having a bad day at church. There's two kinds of people in church, the ones that God sends and the one the devil sends. And sometimes they look alike. You think about the people that come to church, they all have problems. And this is the biggest mess in town. But it's a good mess because the, the word of God works, doesn't it? Amen. So one of the things the Lord said to me, he says, I want, you, I want you to forget, quickly forgive and forget everything anybody's ever done to you. Regardless, and I hear it all the time, especially in the day we're living in. You don't know what they did. I may not, but it really doesn't matter. Don't act like you're the only person You have a special problem. And you have a special devil that God doesn't know anything about. No, you don't. You know, it's amazing to me. I'll preach a sermon and everybody that goes out the door asks me, how'd you know? Because the stuff you're going through, I go through it. I don't have to look at your life. I just have to look at mine. We're very 
similar. The devil has no new tricks. He don't need new ones, and we're still falling for the old John. Amen? So the first thing is forgive and forget, but the next person you need to forgive is yourself. I have a harder time with that than I do people because I place a very high demand on me plus pride and ego. I want to do well and look well in front of people. I don't like doing stupid things, but I do. And the reason I know I do is Lisa tells me. That was stupid. No, she doesn't really. I'm teasing. Listen, every one of us in this room have made mistakes. Mistakes and failure is a part of life. Don't let the mistakes define you. You're not a failure because you mess up. If you spill the milk, just don't shoot the cow. That would be failure. I'm going to read a story to you out of a book. And, um, because, because very often the way people handle failure is I'm going to quit trying. That way you'll never mess up again. You can't do that. You're going to have to go ahead and try knowing you're going to fail more than you succeed. Thomas Edison said he found 1,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Aren't you glad he didn't quit? Now, for all the baseball guys, it's not football, but it's very similar, except you run around in a circle instead of straight up and down. That's the difference, all right? You use a pig, skin in one, and you don't in the other, and et cetera, et cetera. All right? But ball is ball to a degree. In August 6, 1999, a Major League Baseball player stepped to the home plate in Montreal and made another out. 5,113th of his professional career. That is a lot of trips to the batter's box without a hit. If a player made all of those outs consecutively, he would average four bats a game. He would play eight sessions, 1,278 straight games, and never reach first base. That's a lot of missed baseballs, isn't it? Was the player discouraged that night? No. Did he think he failed himself or his team? No. Earlier in the game, in the first plate appearance, that player reached a milestone that only 21 other people in the history of baseball have ever achieved. He, he hit his 3,000th hit. That player was Tony Gwynn of the San Diego Padres. During the, the game, Tony got on base with, with hits four times in five tries. That's not the norm for him. Usually he fails to get uh, two hits out of every three attempts. Now think about that. He's failing more than he's succeeding. But is he successful? Yes. Say yes. Yes. You, failure does not define you. Quitting does. If you're failing, you are learning another way not to do it. And some of y'all go, I've got a whole lot of ways not to do this. I threatened one time to write a book, How Not to Pastor. 
I could write volumes on what not to do. How do I know this? I did all of them, and they all failed. I look out here on Sunday morning, and I go, this is God. Because I have messed up more than I should have to still have a church. So have you. You will fail more than you succeed. Just don't quit. Failure does not define you. I'm going to say that over and over. During the game, Tony got on base with four hits. I said that. You realize that may not sound very encouraging, but if you know baseball and recognize Tony's ability to succeed consistently one time in three tries, he has become the greatest hitter in his generation. And Tony recognizes in order to get hits, he's going to have to make a lot of outs. Now, this is the life you live in. Satan wants you right now focusing on the things you messed up. And every one of you have messed up. And what I want you to do is learn 1 John 1, 9. Go to God, get forgiveness, and get over it. Because you're no good to God under condemnation sitting around thinking about all the dumb things you've done. I say this, and I don't want to encourage you to get drunk, but if you get drunk Saturday night, I want to still see you Sunday morning. Because you're never going anywhere without God. He is the answer to all your stupid, so you just keep coming anyway, and I promise you all the other people in the church are just as goofy as you are, and they will love you anyway. Some lady came up to me one day, she was outside, and she began to tell me all the stupid things in her life, and I said, you would fit well in our church. And she came back and stayed for a while, and I went, yeah. Yeah. And I said, I'm the pastor, and I get along with you real good. Do you, do you think God uses perfect people? He wished he had one. T.L. Osborne told me one time when I was down in Bonahia, Columbia, and I was sitting having lunch with him one afternoon, and I, I, never, I don't know him that well. Kevin took me down there, and he said, God would love to use perfect people. He just doesn't have any. Who well, has to use you. Isn't it amazing how we want to give the best and we want, we want everybody to see how good we're doing and it's embarrassing when we mess up. When I mess up, I mess up royally in front of everybody. And then I got to go home and repent and come back and hope you come back again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. At least you get to sit there and be quiet. You will not talk. Five hours a week and never say anything dumb. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you don't have to get so excited about it over there. You're just agreeing when he does some stupid stuff. No, I'm teasing. Did, do, do, do mistakes define you or do they educate you? How many school teachers in here? Do we have any? Anybody? One, we got one school teacher over here. Do y'all remember your school days? How many of you made some other than A's on test? So let's, let's take a hypothetical situation. Let's just throw a hypothetical. Let's, take, let's say you took a spelling test, 100 words, and you missed 25. Is that a bad day? No, because what you did was you got 75 right. 
You, you, know, you can think about the good, you can think about the bad. I got 75 right. So now you're going to take the test over. How many words do you have to study now? Just 25. So at the end of studying 25 and taking the test a second time, and you get them all right, now you know 100 words. Was the test bad or was the test good? Test is good. Test is part of learning in life. You are in a test, and the things you're doing wrong right now are only indicators of what you need to work on. That's all they are. You get to look and go, I didn't do too good on that. So now you get to go back and go, that's what I need to work on. And once you conquer it, now you're further ahead than you were. So test day became a good day. But the test doesn't define you as being stupid. It just means you didn't know those words, but you do now. That's how you went from first grade to second grade to third grade, et cetera, et cetera. And most of y'all graduated. And the ones you did not, there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus, but we all know that you're not very smart. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. All right. I've got to tell you a story on myself. And um, I hate to tell stories on myself because you'll never forget the bad stuff. But I'm going to because I'm humble. And I'm very proud of that. Many, many years ago, I took, Barbara remembers this, Barbara was on this flight. I took an Aztec and I flew the youth group with Jill and Barbara and a bunch of them to the Bahamas. And on the, when I got over there, Gladys Morrison passed away and went home to be with Jesus. And here's the thing about church members. I don't know why you keep dying when I'm on vacation. And I'm really going to ask you to stop doing that. Are y'all just waiting Wait, no, no, am I, we're going to die. Oh, oh, no, no, Pastor, wait till he's on vacation before I go. I think for some of y'all, I'm not coming home. I'll let Justin do the funeral, you know. So anyway, I'm in the Bahamas, and I came, and I, and I, and I got the airplane, and I cranked it up, and I had to go through Nassau. And when I was, when I was c- turning to fly in and landing in Nassau, the air traffic controller, the, the tower said to me, you've got a 747 on your backside. You need to hurry up. I'm landing at 105 miles an hour. And I hit the pavement, and I decided to take the first taxiway at 105 miles an hour. How many of you think I did it? I did not do it. So I ran through the taxi lights. One of my props hit a taxi light and destroyed the prop and destroyed the engine on the airplane. Ask me how much that cost. Not me. They had insurance. But it cost me $1,500 deductible that came out of my pocket. Well, I'm feeling real stupid right now. So I'm limping over to the hangar, got out of the airplane, turned it off, called the owner, and, and they worked it out to where uh, they, they rebuilt the engine, put a new prop on it. And I called the owner, and I said, do you want me to go get the airplane now? He said, I don't ever want you to sit or touch any airplane I own the longest day you live. Now, I'm feeling real good. Right? And so I called a friend of mine, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm low. I mean, it was not smart, and so this friend of mine, I said, well, 
I guess I'm done with my aviation because this man won't let me fly and I'm probably a terrible pilot. And this friend of mine said, you can fly my airplane anytime you want to. I said, why would you do that? He said, I'm not going to waste an expensive lesson. He said, will you ever allow air traffic control to push you again? I said, absolutely not. The 747 can go around, but I am never rushing again. And he said, why would I? He said, you were a good pilot. Now you're a great pilot. He said, you're a better pilot now. That's an expensive lesson. Don't throw it away. He said, you, you will start thinking. And Lisa will tell you, the, uh, those of us that are older, how many times do we do things because we've been bit? When's the last time you went to the airport and had a flat tire? When's the last time you were going someplace and got caught in traffic? How many of y'all leave home early because you've been bit before? See, doing stuff wrong makes us smarter. You're smarter now than you were. All right, I'm going to tell you another story. You ready for a shooting story? One, one time I had practiced all year for a classifier and the classifier is so I will go up in ratings and I got to the to the range and the and I and and the IDPA is giving me the classifier and they start off on five yards and I smoked it and they take me to seven yards and I smoked it and they took me to 10 yards and I smoked it and everybody's standing there going Morgan is going to you know he's going to get kicked up today I mean this guy's smoking these targets and they took me to 15 yards and and I didn't smoke it. And they took me to 20 and I didn't hit anything. And I didn't, and I flunked the test. Now I went home a little bummed and I get home, Lisa goes, how'd it go to that? I flunked the test. I've been working for a year on this. But I learned something that day that I was trying to shoot 15-yard targets like I was seven. And I had to go home, I had to study what I did wrong. And I had to learn cadence. I had to learn to use both sights. I, ha I had to change. But all that did was show me what I needed to work on. Y'all listening to me. So the flunked test pushed me all the way to the top within a year. To where I was now beating everybody that I shot against. But it was a failure that took me up. Do y'all see that? The things you're going through right now very well may be the thing God uses to take you where he needs you to go. Because now you're learning stuff that you can't buy. Yes, amen. Say amen. amen. Say failure, failure does not define me. I am not a failure. All right, are y'all ready to go now? All right. The last thing he said to me was remember, Revelation chapter 2. He said, forgive, forget, remember. Now you would think, why would you want to remember? Because he just told you to forget it. All right, let's go. Revelation, I got to get over there. Chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where... You have fallen. Let's look at three 
3, Revelation 3, 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. So he said, you need to remember some things. What happens to us is when we're in the middle of problems, those problems have our attention. And they usually dominate our thoughts. Well, I did this wrong, and I did this wrong, and I did this wrong. Well, did you ever do anything right? So the other day when the Lord said this to me, I sat down and I began to think. I went back and I remembered the day I got saved. I remembered my mother dragging me to Atlanta, Georgia. And I walked an aisle in a crusade and accepted Jesus and grace hit my life. I remembered going home and with peace in my heart. I remembered going back to that church and getting filled with the Holy Ghost and, and, and speaking in other tongues and getting drunk in the Spirit. I remembered an old woman coming up and giving me books by Kenneth Hagin and turning me on to the faith message. I remembered going home and, and getting a book by Kenneth Copeland, The Laws of Prosperity, and in one year I was out of debt and driving a brand new car. I remembered being sick, and the anointing came on me and healed my body, and I used to have sinus trouble, and it's all gone, and I used to have headaches, and they're all gone. And I used to be sick and it's all gone. And I remembered him healing me. And I remembered him prospering me. And I remembered living in a house where I had a pot-bellied wood stove for heat. And within a few months, I'm in an apartment with an air conditioner. That's pretty good for a redneck. And I remembered the time the Lord called me out to Ramah. And he gave me the money and showed me how to get the money and drive out to Oklahoma and start in the Bible school. And I remember when I was in Bible school and he called me to Orlando. And a banker walked in and wanted me to do all of his. Uh, maintenance on his place and he gave me the money to move to Orlando and I remembered moving to Orlando and going through a terrible divorce and then one day in my truck this little blonde headed blue eyed beautiful Florida girl jumped in my truck wanted to drive it and the Lord said this is your next wife and I remembered that God's Abraham blessings hit me and I remembered that every time I ever got in trouble God turned it around and he, and, and, and he put mercy on me and grace hit me and the love of God and I, I mean I, I couldn't get in the mess that God didn't get me out of it. I didn't have a need that God didn't meet it. I didn't have a problem and God didn't fix it. And it's been 45 years ago and he's still fixing stuff. See, when you're in a problem right now, you've got to look backwards and go, has he ever answered a prayer before? Has he ever gotten me out of a mess before? He got me out then, he'll get me out now. See, the devil will tell you, you're done. You know, God did it then, but he ain't going to do it for you again. You, you, you've got to rehearse the goodness of God. I could tell you story after story. I was in India, and I didn't want to go to India. There, India is not romantic missions work. I was driving down the road, and a guy said to me, he says, when you see that cow, what do you think about it? I said, T-bone. You're eating rice with no butter and no salt and no pepper every day, and you're going, oh, I just want something to eat. But I remember being on a missions trip, and God said to me, I want you to go to India. And I said, I don't want to go to India. And he said, why not? And I said, I'll miss Lisa. He said, do you love Lisa more than me? I said, no, sir. He said, I want you in India. And I went over there, and I obeyed him. 
And we took crusade equipment. We smuggled $10,000 worth of crusade equipment into India. Now, I'm going to tell you the story because you need to hear it. We're standing there at customs. The, you know how big the, the crusade equipment is, is stacked on a, on a cart, and it's, it's three feet over my head. You can't miss it. We're standing in line, and Harley Fiddler looked at me and said, Oh, anybody got any money? Because the, 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 we're going to have to pay duty on this stuff. I said, how much? He said, $10,000. I said, I have 10. You come up with 1000 And the friend with me says, I don't have it. And Harley said, I don't have it. And so we're standing there, and the customs agent is waiting for us to come forward. And we grabbed hands, and we prayed. And he picked up a newspaper and sat down, and we walked through customs, and we never said a word to him. He never saw us say there is a God. So anyway, I'm in India now. Help me, Jesus. At the end of almost two weeks, I told God I'd go. At two weeks, I'm supposed to come home. And they put me in a, in a jeepney. And I don't know if y'all know what that is. It looks like a Willis Jeep. And it's a, it's a taxi. And, and they, they drive 100 times worse in India than they do in Guatemala. I've never been scared on a road except India. Because they play chicken. And sometimes it's, you know, you just. And I'm fearless and I was afraid. So they're taking me to the airport, but that was election day. And there's a one-lane road going into town and a one-lane road going out of it. And the, and the taxi cab drivers have got the road blocked protesting the election. And I am out in a, between two rice paddies, probably over a half a mile outside of town, stuck in traffic, not going to the airport. And the taxi driver looked and said, we're not going to make it. I said, oh, yes, we are. I opened my Bible to Mark eleven twenty three. 23, the, the scripture Kenneth Hagin put in the Bible. I'm glad he put it in there because it still works. And I, I bowed my head and I said, now you asked me to come and I told you I don't want to be here. And I obeyed you. Now I'm going to declare before, all, before God and all the angels of heaven and all the devils of hell, I'm going home in the name of Jesus. You said I can have what I say. And I said, I don't know how you're fixing to do this, but I will be on that airplane. And I closed my Bible and I just crossed my arms and I just sat there. And out in the rice paddy was a big red tractor. Now, who's on? I don't know who's on this tractor. I can see him out there. And that tractor came to my taxi. And you know what he said to my driver? <laughs> I have no idea what he said to him. And he said, And my taxi pulled out, and that tractor got on the side of the road, and we headed toward town. When we got to town, the houses are so close together that if you stuck your hand out of that taxi, it would take the meat off your knuckles. And we went behind houses, 
under clotheslines. They don't have sewer systems in India. You, it's a ditch. You go boom, boom in the sewer. And we went through the back of that town. And when we got to the other side, do you know what the, the tractor driver said to the, my taxi driver? <laughs> I have any idea what he said to him. And my taxi driver said, and I got to the airport on time. Amen. Say, there is a God. Failure does not define us. Problems don't define you. You're go- Listen to me. You're going to have problems. That's why you need faith. Amen. So while you're going through these things, when I'm sitting in that taxi, it looks to me like this is impossible. Yeah. But I'm re- but listen, I've got a lot of answered prayer under my belt, and I'm sitting there going, you will do this again. you got to do this again. I'm not staying in India one more night. Some of y'all say, I'm not staying where I am one more day. Say, my best days are ahead of me. Say, failure does not define me. All those, all those diversions in your life are to get your eyes off of where you're supposed to be going. Get your eyes back on where you're going and not on where you are. And failure does not define you at all. All right, now I got to tell you, I got to read one more story to you. I mean, let me just read my notes because I got... You need to remember the good other people have done for you. Every once in a while, you need to stop and go find people who have gone out of their way to get you where you are. And just walk up and say thank you. You need to think and remember the gifts other people have given to you. They helped you along. You need to remember the compliments that others have spoken to you. Not the bad. Don't think of only the bad. Think of the good things people have said. Think of the days you've overcome. Think of the word that God gave you. Think of the mercy he showed you. Think of the giftings that he put inside of you. Think of the people he has put in your life right now to get you where you are and to take you where you need to be. He has put them in your life and they're there. Think about them. Remember them. Acknowledge that they're there. Get excited about it. Remember the forgiveness he has shared with you and the blessings he has given you. And remember the future he has for you. And now i got to read one more story. And um, it, at first you're going to think it's, a, it's not a good story, but it's a, it's a good story. <laughs> I told Lisa last night, I said, I'm going to read this story to you. It's a really good story. When I got through, she goes, that's not a very good story. Said it was funny. I said it's funny. It is funny. funny. It is funny. <laughs> the last thing the Lord said to me. Is forget, remember, and then he said, sing. I like to pray. As a matter of fact, I pray a lot. And I have this thing about me that says if I'm having a problem, I'm supposed to pray serious. Now, y'all don't know what I'm, Barbara Neff knows what I'm talking about, but Betty May knows what I'm talking about. There's some other people that know it. And, and we all have this idea, I'm going to get a hold of God. 
So the Lord said to me the other day, he said, now the last thing I want you to do is sing. Sing? sing. Just sing. Yes. Yes. And we all think that well, that's, oh, that's not real powerful. It might be. So I'm going to read a story to you. A few years ago, I heard a story from Chuck Swindoll tell the story of Chippy the parakeet. He said the bird's problem began when the woman who owned it decided to clean the seeds and the loose feathers from the bottom of the cage, and she was using the vacuum cleaner. But the phone rang, and as the owner picked it up, and you guessed it, with a thud and a swoosh, Chippy was gone. (laughs) Just bent over and sucked Chippy right into the vacuum cleaner. The owner quickly turned the vacuum off, unzipped the bag, and there was Chippy, stunned but breathing. Seeing that he was covered with black dust, the owner rushed Chippy to the bathtub, turned on the faucet, and gave a blast of ice-cold water on Chippy. At that point, she realized she'd done more damage, and she cranked up the blow dryer and gave the, the, the bird a good, wet, shivering parakeet a blast. And Chuck finished his story and said, Chippy doesn't sing anymore. The reason I read that is because sometimes on Sunday morning I'm looking out there and I'm going, Chippy's not singing right now. I can look, Chippy's not singing anymore. You know, there was a time you used to sing, but you're in church now and you're going. I mean, every devil in hell has either soaked you in water or blasted you with hell or sucked you up some, and you look like this parakeet on Sunday morning. So the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to start singing again. You know, that's a bad thing about learning the Bible is you get real knowledgeable and you start trying to use it. I got this figured out. I got 27 books by Brother Hagin. There ought to be some answer in here somewhere. And you say, Lord, what do I do about this problem? Heavenly Father, what do I do about this problem? And he said, if I was you, I'd just sing. (laughs) And he looked at me and said, sing, Chippy, sing. (laughs) How many of y'all right now feel a little like Chippy? I mean, this week, of all the stuff the devil's been doing in your life, you feel a little like Chippy right now. You're just like, ah, if I could just tell you what I've been going through. But see, Chippy didn't cause it. And a lot of stuff you're in right now, you didn't cause it. It's just life. Forget your past. Remember the goodness of God. And so for God's sake, start singing again. I mean, <laughs> I, think, um, I think Earl alluded to that. And, and he said, some of y'all just need to worship God. I think sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do all week, just come to church and worship. Just worship God. Just sing. Get your joy back. Get your joy back. Now, I like to go to Mark Hankins' meetings because I'm the wildest person there. Do you know why I'm the wildest? I'm the most messed up. (laughs) I'm serious. I got so many problems that God comes through or I'm I'm in trouble. And sometimes I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But I think sometimes you just need to count it all joy and just dance and shout and holler and scream. And so I've been walking around the house and, you know, poor Lisa. I can't hit a note in a barrel, you know. I'll sometimes go in there and get my uh, pad out, the one with the apple on it. 
I'm not sure what that apple, I thought that was Eve's apple, you know, Eve's pad, but it shows you how ignorant I am of computers. But I'll plug something in, and, I, and I, so Lisa doesn't have to listen to the music. I put the headset on, and I start singing. It won't take but a couple of minutes. She'll come up and close the bedroom door. And I know she can't hear the music. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing you can do is just laugh. Arrivoni fai la forma auto consele there is some more pakatai. No no nemo homakache. Dero no mahelo kushi mero fikabe nero lo mahomakise. Did you think the answer would be hard? Did you think I would give you something to do you can't do? But I've been not to ilapelo masunkitabaminikasi. Very often, the very thing Satan fears the most is a song out of your heart. Because it shows him that he's defeated and that you still have faith in me. So what or a So when he's heating hell up. Do like the children of Israel and sing in the furnace. And let the devil know that he doesn't rule or reign there either. I didn't ask you to turn it around. I will turn it around for you. I just need you to start singing. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 devil. <laughs> Now, that's quite an easy assignment. I mean, I think even you could do that. You do? I mean, I'm, like this guy right here, you know, before he got saved, you don't want to mess with this dude. Am I telling the truth? You, know, you come over here to JoJo and me, you don't want to mess with us. But it's okay. He's saved now, so y'all don't have anything to worry about. And we took his machine gun away before he came in today, so he's all right. How many of y'all got some singing to do? Don't let the devil rob you of your future. I want you to sit down today and I want you to think about where you want to go. Start dreaming again. And then do, the, do what you heard today. Be a doer of the word of God. I want you to forget it. I want you to remember. And then as you're looking at where you want to go, I want you to start singing. Because that's all faith is. Faith calls things that are not as though they are. Amen. You got this? Come get them all saved, baby. And don't forget the cup. Praise the Lord. So let's sing. You are good, good. Oh, come on, everybody. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, God is good. Amen. He is good. He is good and his mercy endures forever. You know, I just wanted to, uh, I know he's my son, but give a shout out. Justin did a great sermon Wednesday night. 
And uh, it's online. It's on Facebook. It's on Word of Life. Um, if, you, if you weren't here Wednesday night, you need to listen to that sermon. And the name of the sermon was on honor. And um, this morning, and the Lord has told me this way before I heard the sermon, but it's just, it was just a great sermon. He has a whole different flair than pastor, but it's one of those sermons just that kind of hits you right in the heart. You know, and um, the Lord told me this a long time ago. He says, he says, what you honor will honor you back. If you honor my words, those words of mine that you honor will honor you back. And this morning, I'm getting ready to speak to you a word from the Lord. And I know it's simple. And if you're saved, that's great. You can listen to what I'm about to say so you can say it to someone in your life, in your job, in your home, in your family, in your surrounding, in your community, in your sphere of influence. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. These are his words. And if you honor these words... It honor you back. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes on him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved. He is not condemning you for your sin. If you have never made Jesus Lord, if you never remember a day or a time where you said, Jesus, come in my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I don't just believe in God. I believe in what you did. You died for me. You rose for me. You shed your blood for me. And I accept that. It is not your fault that you were born into sin. You were born into sin because Adam and Eve sinned. But it is your fault if you continue to live that way without receiving the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus for you. And so this morning, if my altar workers can come forward, this morning, if you never remember a time where you said, Jesus, I don't even, I don't just believe in a God or the God, I believe in you died for me. And I accept the blood of Jesus being shed for me. I accept him removing my sins from me. And I take you as Lord. If you don't ever remember saying that, come up. If you're with someone that you know that you're not sure that you know, you bring them up. Don't let them come up by themselves. Grab their hands and say, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Come on up. Pray with them because today you can be sure I cannot guarantee your future.